Welcome to the Impact on the Ground podcast series. I'm Tiia Sammalahti, CEO of whatimpact.com, a tech for good company with the mission to become the LinkedIn of CSR. In this podcast series, we'll dig deeper into what it takes to make an impactful change in our society. I'll give a voice to charities, social enterprises, companies, grant makers, individuals and government officials who all have one thing in common. They are keen to make a difference. We dive into practical solutions and observe the dynamics of those who have resources to give and those working with the beneficiaries on the ground. Let's start making an impact together. So hello, Maria, and uh, welcome to Impact on the Crown podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's such an honor to be invited. Well, thank you so much for coming. And uh, to everybody who is listening, uh, this is Maria Arpa, and uh, she's the CEO of Center of Peaceful Solutions. Uh, uh, it's a charity and she will soon tell uh, what, what does Peaceful Solutions do. But she, mm-hmm. uh, as a person, has been uh, trained for many, I guess, uh, you know, skills. Uh, you are a counselor, Reiki master, you are author of two books, and uh, then you run this amazing charity. So uh, tell us about your background a little bit. Oh, wow. Well, let's see. How far back do we want to go? Um, well, I, th- I do. I do like to talk about my sort of humble beginnings, um, as you know, the daughter of an immigrant family, uh, growing up really in the slums of London. Um, uh, and anyone who's heard me talk before knows that you know I grew up in housing that was declared unfit for human habitation. So, um, so I do have a sense of what life is like at that end of the spectrum and um and i suppose that i was driven to to get out of that kind of poverty and i went down the normal route that people do and i found myself you know working in advertising and marketing and then you know built my own business and then i suddenly realized um i realized that i was becoming arrogant and unpleasant Hmm. and um, I started to notice that what success was doing to me was was then putting me in a place where I was treating people the way I didn't like being treated when I was powerless and I had quite a sort of wrestle with myself about this and that opened up a whole journey of discovery Um, And then I came across Reiki healing, I came across uh, neighbourhood mediation, you know, helping people with neighbour disputes, and uh, Marshall Rosenberg's non-violent communication, all in the same year. Okay. So if there was ever a powerful message, you know, it kind of came in one big wave. Yeah, universe Um, started to talk to you when you asked asked someone to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, completely. And um, I just became obsessed and passionate and driven. And I saw a whole nother route, you know, a whole nother way of being in the world. 
Um, and my children were teenagers. And then as part of that, at the very practical level, I, I, you know, I became a mediator. I started to work with people. I, you know, I got rid of my advertising agency. I started to transition into this work. And then I um, moved into an area where I could get a bigger house for my money than I could where I was living. And I had not heard the term gentrification, which, of course, I think is hilarious because I come from abject poverty that I couldn't possibly gentrify anything. <laughs> but there it was <clears throat> coming into an area and then assuming that one can make it nice. Um, and I started to understand the level of the gang issues that were in my area until finally a seven-year-old girl was fatally shot oh. uh, by a drug dealer. Um, it made national headlines. There were a lot of tensions in the community. There were shootings, drive-by shootings. This is around, I'm going back to 2004, 2005. And I just, you know, perhaps out of complete stupidity or maybe you know maybe I did have something I decided to do something about it and that took us on a journey that set up the charity the Centre for Peaceful Solutions and I ended up working working's the wrong word being alongside people who have less options in life yeah and really coming to understand the level of desperation and really coming close to and seeing that, you know, there are people in society who believe they have nothing to lose. Yeah. And if you believe you have nothing to lose, then everything is game. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to bring some healing to that place. I think I wouldn't have used that word 20 years ago, but I would use that word now because I'm really coming to understand that, you know, we all have unhealed wounds and that the world is basically driven by unhealed wounds. Um, and some people have more options to hide those wounds than others um, or to push their push their unhealed wounds onto others, you know, but that's a whole other conversation. But what became clear to me is we all need relationships. We are not lone wolves that can operate without participation in some kind of society or community. But what happens when the society or community that you are part of is doesn't care about you? So that was really where I wanted to focus. And those people are young people. They're people who are failing in schools because the school system is a rigid system. They're people who find themselves in prison. They're people who find themselves having their children taken away. You know, they, they sit in a, in a level of despair. <clears throat> and what I understood and learned, and it's like anything, you know, when you get something good, you want to share it. Um, that I could bring something into those parts of society that could give people a way out. That isn't, I'll give you a job and I'll enslave you through employment. That I can bring something to you where you can have a different conversation with yourself 
And from having a different conversation with yourself, you'll have a different conversation with others and your life will begin to change. Yeah. So a really good example of that is um, a project we did in a prison in the UK for five years. And the premise of that project was if you have a community and you've got 650 people called prisoners yeah. and you have 150 people called staff or prison officers and you give the 150 all responsibility for safety against 650 mm -hmm. people who you've told have no responsibility for safety you're probably making the job of the 150 much more difficult than it needs to be so the premise was what happens if we say to the 650 you too have some responsibility to keep things safe but what we're going to do is give you some really good tools to be able to do this and those tools are going to be completely counter to anything you've ever experienced in your life and so you know at, at its peak we had 25 prisoners trained as dialogue roadmap facilitators and the dialogue roadmap is the communications tool that I have developed and their job was to look out using very specific processes and very specific applications but to look out for the people that weren't making it through the system whether they're not making it through the system because of violence whether they're not making it through because of self-harm, mental health problems, addictions, substance misuse. So rather than leaving those people to the mercy of stressed out staff, the idea was that there would be somewhere for them to go to receive empathy. Yeah. And it turned around a lot of lives. It was the, the results or the outcomes were way beyond anything I'd ever imagined. In so much so that during COVID, when we couldn't actually go into the prison at all because nobody could come in or out, um, and people were in lockdown for 20 days, our guys that we trained were giving up that 45 minutes that they had to attend to people they knew were suicidal. So tell me a little bit about the, the dialogue roadmap. I mean, thank you. Yeah, something about it. Yes. It sounds very interesting. And you have developed it yourself. Yes, thank you. Yes. So um, so how that came about was because I started to study why people fight. And people don't generally go from no words to physical violence. There's generally some words in between. And so what I started to explore was why do those words trigger us? What is it about that? And the, the, the result of my investigation, if you like, or my, yeah, my inquiry was that all of the models of conversation that we use and that we've been, and I'm using the word deliberately, indoctrinated with, mm. are based in debate. And the purpose of a debate is to win the argument. Mm. Now, um, we set up debating societies in schools where we praise children for being able to win an argument against somebody else with no regard for the human relationship. 
But what's really interesting about promoting debate, winning arguments, competition, competing with each other, you know, the, the, the laws of, you know, the survival of the fittest and all of that. What's wrong with that is in order for you and I to have a debate, we have to collaborate. What day are we having it on? Where are the chairs? What room is it? What are the terms of engagement? In order for two football teams to meet on a pitch, there's a football association. There are rules. There's a referee. There is far more collaboration going on in the world than there actually is competition or debate or winning. Far more. And we don't pay attention to that. We don't teach that. We don't say, you know, hey, isn't it absolutely amazing that when I want a pint of milk, I don't have to go and find a cow. That some whole group of people got together in such a way that I could drink some milk today. So when you understand the power of that, then what you discover is the words that we have been trained to use do not serve that form of collaboration. And so, so what you're looking at is dialogue instead of debate. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to look at dialogue, there is no instruction manual. Yeah. But that's what I've created. Okay. I've said, okay, how do you take the indoctrinated mind that has been taught to judge right or wrong, to win the argument, to compete? How do you take the language that that creates in our minds and come to the the uh, phases or the ingredients in a dialogue. And so that's the path. And it and I guess when it comes to myself here thinking that I guess that is a big source of aggression when you think that you are not being heard or understood, that somebody yes. just doesn't seem to understand, even if they mm. wouldn't agree, but they don't even want to kind of get your point. And that raises an aggression in every one of us. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because when we're communicating, so I might have a need for respect or I might have a really pressing need for food. But when we're communicating, the first and immediate need is to be heard. Mm -hmm. And unless that need is met, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And so then I started to realize, you know, having done work with, um, you know, in, you know, I don't like labels, but, you know, for shorthand, gangs, people in gangs and in prisons and, you know, families and all the rest of it. I started to realise that actually this is all over society. So workplaces, I mean, who can tell the truth in any workplace? Mm. <laughs> you know, let's have the real conversation here. Who can tell the truth in any workplace? If you are... If you are finding yourself in front of social workers, police, a judge or whatever, how, how can you really be authentic if there's a punishment hanging over you? Yeah. So what you're actually doing is you're keeping people in survival. Mm. And life is more than survival. So, that, so that's kind of, so the dialogue roadmap is all about taking us out of the head mentality of debating and thinking and connecting us back to heart-based communication and you know I worked with some some young people a couple of years ago and they didn't know the phrase having a heart to heart mm. 
it's mm. gone. But in my, you know, my day, we, we had a heart to heart. Mm. And I didn't uh, know what that meant. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, peaceful solutions, you know, kind of organizational structure. What is your size? How many employees? You know, how do you run the projects? So it's a it's an interesting thing because we've ended up having to be fairly self-sustainable because nobody understands that we do things organically. So when I I'll give you an example, when I went into the prison, I started a conversation saying, now we need to go ground up. So we start with the guys and we ask them what they want and what they think is going to work for them. Otherwise, you're imposing. So I, I'm so it's really difficult to write funding bids because I can't say I'm going to deliver 20 of these to mm. this demographic and have this outcome because then I'm a slave to the outcomes for the money. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've been in the charity sector for 25 years yeah. and I see it everywhere. Suddenly you change your values, you write, rewrite your mission because there's some money over there. Um, and I was determined not to do that. So. But the, the the outcomes that we have for individual people are quite astounding. I mean, quite astounding. And. Um, <clears throat> when somebody who um you know has committed murder comes out of prison and says i want you to be my mentor you know you know you've had an effect on someone's life yeah so uh how many employees do you have uh, okay and volunteers or so um so at the moment there's there's me and now I've been thinking about succession. So we have two employees in the charity. Yeah. So I've got Mariam and Tom who are uh, employed. And I'm trying to keep it very lean because the other thing that you have in charities is then you've got this big machine that has to be fed. Yes. Before you can actually do any work. But, um, but I'm actually a deliverer. So I'm not just sitting behind a desk. I actually go out in the world and deliver. Um, and then we have um, around 20 supporters who help us in various ways. So one is a lead family mediator and she does all of our divorce work, but she's obviously a contractor, but she's doing it through us. And therefore there's benefit to, to the fees for, for the charity. Mm -hmm. um, we have four charity shops, which is one of the ways in which we sustain ourselves. Yeah. So we've probably got about, 12 or 15 employees and probably the same number in volunteers and then david my husband because we do this together which is part of modeling so yeah. we're constantly having to look at our own communication in our marriage <laughs> because if i'm not doing it at home then i've got no business doing it with anybody else mm -hmm. um <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm unwilling to do anything that isn't authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and David is the director of the shops and the mediation yeah. practice. And our, we've got two, three main projects at the moment. So the first one is that we deliver peer mediation into schools. And at the moment we work with primary schools. I have worked with secondary schools in the past, 
But um, so that's where we train a number of students to mediate the disputes between other students so that the adults don't make it worse. Because what tends to happen is adults, adults tend to get involved in children's squabbles and they haven't got the patience for it. And why should they? I mean, you know, look, if you were employed to teach, you don't want to stand in front of a group of kids squabbling, but mm. you need a system. And so what we do is we encourage the school that when children have little squabbles, don't get involved, give them the little slip and say, take that to the peer mediation team. Yeah. So the teachers can get on with teaching and the kids take responsibility for their arguments. Well, that's so, a interesting um, concept. So how is it then? Are the schools getting this service for free or are they paying for you some fee or who is kind so of what we've, So what we've done is um, we've got these four charity shops and we've, uh, we're looking at schools that are, are linked geographically. Yeah. So, um, of course, COVID shut everything down for a while, so we're building it back up. But one of our schools has already come back online. Yeah. Um, so that, and we fund that, we give that, we gift that to the school. Yeah. Um, then, um, and I'd love to do more of it, but we just don't have the funding right now to do more of it. Um, do you have, uh, by the way, uh, com companies supporting you? Um, corporate support or local companies? So um, where we've been successful with that is with the charity shops. Um, we've been really lucky. I mean, we're a tiny charity. So, you know, a lot of the retailers are partnering with the big Oxfams yeah. and all the rest of it. And we often find we're very squeezed and we've got nowhere to go. But actually, Harrods have been wonderful. Harrods sent us a whole load of stuff and John Lewis sent us a whole load of stuff. So, yeah, that's one way in which people can support us is to give us quality merchandise to sell in the shops. Um, and um, we're supported um, I've got a, a one year training that I do so it's a training for people to become dialogue roadmap facilitators and within that there's somebody who's kind of graduated from the course and is the CEO of a, of a large multinational consultancy firm, consultancy firm and we're working within his business um, because people see the value of this, you know, in employee relations. Um, yeah, I bet, like you mentioned earlier, uh, it instantly came to me that um, any company should, you know, kind of get into this topic. Yes. Uh, conflicts yes. are everywhere. Uh, yes. And it's not just war and, you know, yes. all kind of, uh, like you said, gang troubles on the streets, but... Um, People's, people are destroyed in workplaces too because Absolutely. of you know, uh, long-term disputes and you know that kind of uh, unhuman conditions because they are not solved and and then the strongest one win and which not be always right. So I was just thinking that, yeah, you must have, de have demand and you could offer a lot of services to companies who could, you know, pay for good money and you could then you know, yes. keep that charitable yes. arm of things, uh, you know, going, because it is a, is it very important consultancy work, what you would be doing? Yes, I agree. So, so the, the, uh, the, the consultancy that we work with is called Accuracy. Yeah. And they are, you know, they're really interested in the well-being of their employees. Yeah. Um, and also they're really, you know, 
you know, a consultancy like that invests, it, you know, it brings on graduates and then it invests. And of course you want to keep your talent. And yeah. so, and so there's this whole investment in the well-being. The other support that we've had is um, Wellington College. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, one of the world's most renowned boarding schools. And they're actually taking the dialogue roadmap into the college and building a system to use it, which is, um, you know, clearly, I mean, I'm very proud of. Um, and then um, we also did some work with um, Ottolenghi. And Ottolenghi are an amazing restaurant business because, you know, hospitality and catering can be quite a brutal industry. Yes. And they have these really big values about looking after people. And so we were able to go in there and um, deliver some training for line managing people with a bit more compassion. Yeah. Um, we did some we did some uh, work with um, the Association of Chartered Accountants, ACCA. And we helped the investigators. So, you know, people complain about an accountant. Yeah. And they have to do an investigation. Well, you know, the investigation doesn't have to be brutal. Yeah. At the end of the day, the truth is going to come out. That person that you're talking to, to feel comfortable enough to tell you the truth. Yeah. But and I guess also... Relationship. Customer service work in general, yes, there is a lot yes. of, you know, if you think about any company who, who has customer yes. service or customer support, you know, even, you know, usually customers contact you because they have a problem and yes. they might be upset and, you know, there is an instantly conflict already existing and, you know, how you handle that you know, it's, it makes such a difference and actually it, it affects on the bottom line of the company. It you know? really does. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we're, we're entering times, what's what I find really interesting in terms of social changes, we're entering times where young people coming into the workplace are, are more interested in the values of the brands that they want to associate with. They're less inclined to accept slavery thinly disguised as employment they're they're asking the right questions around ethics around their own lifestyles and uh, employers are going to need to create safer healthy functioning well-being spaces yeah to I totally totally, totally agree mm. yeah um one question about the potential uh, like uh, donations or ways to support you we're just discussing that companies could kind of yeah. buy your consultancy you know for either external or in internal kind of purposes mm -hmm. you mentioned the charity shops you probably would like to have any really product donations whether it's shampoo bottles or you know absolutely product so donations or just yeah. yes thank you that's amazing is there um, any like a services uh, that would help your kind of tiny charity who has only a couple of employees? Uh, what kind of services could a company uh, give you for free, which would save costs? Uh, yes. So, um, so where we're really um, looking to the future is um, I've got this vision of the training that the basic part of the training that I deliver 
the mm. very basic you and me just having a conversation and whether that's you and me or husband and wife or son and daughter or parent or whatever i've got this vision of putting that training online as a free resource to the entire world but i have zero resources to yeah. a get that done b to host it on a website to publicize it and so anything that that could help us to to put this gift out in the world would be amazing so that would be video graphic design it help like a combination yeah. of probably yes uh, all these kind of digital uh, yeah. aspects of the work yeah yes yes because i think that that's the way the world is going and uh, we need to be up there with everyone else and also you know this training is it's it, it it's for everyone. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, we are working um, uh, with many companies and some of them are actually, you know, working for government, bidding for government tenders and, and so on. And now since the uh, enhancement of Social Value Act, there is a mandatory requirement for those companies who bid and win the bids, then deliver social value outside of the normal uh, scope of work. and. Um, I was just uh, kind of thinking that, uh, you know, your work is is very much kind of linked with all these social value policy outcomes, what yes. the government has said that, you know, these companies should be focusing mm -hmm. on. Uh, uh, and I was just looking at the list, uh, what, what are the <laughs> kind of key areas that companies should be su supporting in their local areas mm -hmm. is COVID recovery, tackling economic inequality, uh, fighting climate change, equal opportunity, and well-being. And I guess I was just thinking that this mediation and conflict uh, solving, it, it applies to every single kind it of applies, It applies across the board. It applies across the board because here's the thing. Well-meaning people come together and whether yeah. they whether they want to form a business, whether they want to form a voluntary group, whether it's a family, you know, whatever it is, everybody comes together with good intention. And then the thing gains its own momentum. And at no point did anybody say, what are we going to do when we disagree? Mm. How are we going to treat each other? What's our process for dealing with conflict that will definitely arise? And, um, and then at that point, everybody falls apart and it's impossible to bring a process in when everyone's in a heightened state. Yeah. Because you have to then do all the damage limitation. So the way I talk about this is it's really important for people to put the plumbing in, because if the plumbing isn't in place during the good times, what will happen is eventually all the sewage will come up through the floorboards. Yeah. And nothing happens anyway. I mean, even if you think about the climate change. Yes. People definitely do not agree <laughs> about they their responsibilities really, in like yes. in a global level, but also even in local levels, you might think, or oh, you know, there there has to be a lot of uh, collaboration and intention to, you know, and reduce the, the, the carbon, uh, you know, footprint or, or something. And people have uh, selfish motivations. Some people don't understand uh, the implications and so on. So there is a lot of that kind of dialogue that has to be taken place in order any solutions then to, you know, and the, take and, place. And, 
and the debate model is not going to serve and yeah. i just think about all of the energy and the time and the goodwill that is lost in a debate model of conversation yeah well thank you maria for for oh, this insightful conversation and um uh, you know your uh, website is uh, of course uh, your name center of peaceful solutions but Center you, for Peaceful Solutions. Center for Peaceful Solutions, peaceful solutions. yeah. Yes. yes. And um, uh, also uh, your profile will be found on uh, whatimpact.com, where people can see also what, what kind of uh, resource requests you have and uh, can also then uh, find ways to support you. And if somebody wants to uh, contact you personally, are you on LinkedIn? I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, Maria Arpa. Yes. Not too many Maria Arpas. A-R-P for Peter A. Not yeah, too many yeah. of us in the world. So, um, yeah, it should be easy to find me. Yeah. And you <laughs> can just so... Google my name and I come up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, thank you so much for uh, this interview. And I wish you a peaceful Christmas, which is coming oh, up soon. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And thank you so much. I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful. And this thank you. Cha championing of us, these smaller charities that are doing amazing work and are not just don't have the exposure. So I'm yeah. really grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words.